my spidey senses tingling. I just discovered the name of his blog is Yusaki Yo Slimbo. He's the host of the Paper Cut podcast. His name is Slim. This is episode 163. Jonesy has done that 162 times. Just so you know, welcome to the Paper Keg Podcast. <laughs> we talk about comic books that we're reading, and we'll do a book club. We all read together and talk about it at the end of the show. DC Comics. You heard of them? You ever heard of them? Huh? Identity Crisis Now. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll also read letters to close out the show, if we have time. Uh, just want to introduce the hosts of the show. You know, maybe this is the first time you're listening. You're trying out a new podcast. Thank you. Thank you for uh, trying us out. Coming hot off the heels of uh, his sixth vacation of the year, he's back. He's a father. He's got two kids. He's got great hair. He's elliptical-ing. He's a new man. Dale underscore a Facebook legend. Welcome. Yeah, it's great to be back. You know, I'm, I'm uh, completely refreshed from three... His last vacation. <laughs> oh. All right. I don't know when this thing got started where I just take vacations upon vacations. Uh, let me tell you about the Great Wolf Lodge. It's no vacation. Show sponsor. My <laughs> spent my last three nights were were spent sleepless with my youngest son, who woke up every ten minutes screaming for mommy or daddy, or saying the word note instead of no, angrily. Uh, I've got bags under my eyes. I'm run ragged. Thanks for being here. Feels uh, it feels good to be down in my basement again. Good. Getting trolled you, for, for taking for, for for working about a hundred days a year. <laughs> I don't th- I don't get it. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not like I set up shop in Jamaica where I run a bar, and you know, <laughs> half my time is just spent uh, being a bar t- a barman poet. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. I work for a living, and then I take vacations every once in a while. Uh, we have one more host. He uh, also was out of town, I think, this weekend, gallivanting around with Thank his you. family. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, NASCAR country, no doubt. Or the family of Jonesy, they live in the woods. I don't know what's happening. Alaskan bush people. Jonesy loves beer. You're a writer, <laughs> unpublished. You. Um, thank you for wearing the uniform. You're wearing your green Hanes tee. Possibly Jonesy owns one shirt and it's a it's a green Hanes <laughs> tee. Welcome. Uh, I own, I own two, uh, well now three with a paper keg shirt, uh, gray, green, and paper keg. And uh, listen, you, you know what you get is what you see. What you see is what you get. Look out! Here we go. That's it. Got it. Go. Poet himself. Goodness, right? Get a job at Friday's I work, uh, in the bar. I work all 245 operating days a year, so I don't have time to operating go out shopping days. for new clothes. Who, uh, perhaps who, who if says, I worked a mere hundred. Who says operating yeah. days outside t- of anyone that you work with? I will tell you, employee manual says operating days, and 240 <laughs> of those days are spent studying that thing from about can, 11 a.m. to about 7 p.m. every please? night. And the other 45 days are spent trolling me because I get a day off every once in a while. I'm not walking around the hub with Dr. Scholl's inserts on my feet, <laughs> working up some uh, sweat and tweeting the word chest diaper in quotes every chance I get. <laughs> I will say, I'm still waiting for that free case of Desitin for all the bumpers <laughs> I give true. those guys. Jonesy's yeah. cheeks tightened up like Star Trek hangar doors when Dale said where D- uh, Jonesy works right there. <laughs> 
Oh, oh God. I didn't even think about it. I, yeah, let's make sure to bleep it out. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what kind of time I have tonight. We have a big show. The shirts, paper keg shirts, phase one have been ordered. They're they're on the ordering. They're on the they're on the gurneys. Whatever happens at a shirt place, that's it's happening. So thanks for order. It, it tripled our expectations. If I can be frank with you, Dale, right now, not Jones. I'll be frank yeah. with Dale. Slim, yeah, thanks for being so frank. I mean, I, yeah, we were pretty blown away with the numbers. Thanks for the support, you guys. This is absolutely amazing. And any future owners of a paper keg shirt, wear it loud and proud. Yeah. Because it's going to look amazing. You're going to look okay. so handsome in those shirts. Yeah. Men and sure women. Shirts. You, you don't know what a shirt looks like until a handsome woman wears it. But we're running out of tape. So we got to get into the show. Book club Absolutely. this week. Identity Crisis, the book that rocked a nation, the D.C. nation. Metzler, Brad Metzler, is that his name? Metz? I think I thought it was Meltzer, but it, it may be, it might be what you say, too. I want to say Meltzer. Uh, I, want, I want to agree with Meltzer. <laughs> that is a Jonesy pronunciation. Rags Morales <laughs> on art. So we'll get into that probably around the 30-minute mark of this show. If you want to just fast forward through all this junk, nobody wants to talk about books that they read oh this God. week. Good grief. My gosh. Slim, laying the groundwork. My God. Let's delete the news. I'll tell you what. Let's maybe, delete the round table. Maybe we'll do a survey. If I had the power to do some kind of survey monkey, if people yeah. want a paper keg with new books and a book club or a paper keg with just a book club, you let me know. I want to hear from you. Dale underscore A. He does need to save material for others, his other comic book podcast. So, you know, it's better Ooh. for all parties. We someone have. Is, I feel like we've awakened a sleeping someone's giant. Someone's trying to get by trolling revenge. And he's just vacation revenge. What did you read this week on vacation? Dale underscore A, please. Well, let me tell you. Okay, I left for vacation on Wednesday, New Comic Book Day. I spent a good chunk of my vacation catching up on comics that I missed from. Um, fear, there are fear agent episodes. Oh. So then I get the end of the comic, and as it turns out, almost 100% of the comics I caught up on had a new ep- uh, issue out on Wednesday that I didn't make it to the shop for. So I think I'm caught up on all these comics. Not a one am I officially caught up on. But I will try. Hopefully, you know, I will set a stage and not ruin it with... Set it. Because, for example, Uncanny X-Men number 23. Oh. Uncanny X-Men number 24 came out, and it I didn't read like it the ne- It came like a week at week after, it felt like. I know the, exactly I, the series okay. you're talking about. Okay that, okay, that makes perfect sense, because I know 23 is pretty recent. Yeah. And if, if you guys wanted to talk about 24, I won't talk about 23. I mean, it's essentially, there's like one thing that happened that didn't happen in 23 that isn't really... A mind-blowing spoiler, but you can we can talk about twenty-three. I mean, it's the same book. You know, it's okay. like double shipping, uncanny X-Men. Nothing happens for four issues. You know, <laughs> right? Uh, twenty-three is the uh, is an original sin tie-in, and it's uh, they set up you know the big cover art, the last will and testament of Charles Xavier, and basically what happens other than Dazzler trying to hunt down Mystique because of the uh, the dirty deed that Mystique pulled with um, doubling as Dazzler to infiltrate S.H.I.E.L.D. for 22 issues of the book. Um, a, a, a manila envelope lands on Jennifer Hulk's desk, who is a lawyer, obviously. Love her. She jaw, big green jaw drops when she opens this envelope to see it is the last will and testament of Charles Xavier. She rushes o- she rushes over to Westchester, New York. She looks at the uh the helicarriers down in the lawn because of uh dark age dark age of apocalypse beast <coughs> had taken over some shield helicarriers said I need these people present to read the will. And obviously um they need Scott Summers to be present because why wouldn't he be present when Charles Xavier wrote a will? Because he's a war criminal. Look, let's not get into that. I mean, can we start picking sides? 
Politico. Jonesy loves beer. <laughs> Lib scum. <laughs> Jonesy loves beer. Goodness. Uh, Get off but, of Obama's coattails, Jonesy. I know. <laughs> I don't know. Shut what down that means. Gitmo. You know. Shut what it the- down, Jonesy. I'm going to shut down Gitmo. You know. <laughs> Jonesy is so freaked yeah. out. He doesn't know what it means. <laughs> well, that's not in the. <laughs> Hey, 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 hey. I'm sorry. That was a complete That's not in Jonesy's operating handbook. Operating days. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Policy book, page 27. Thou shalt not name the company on the internet on pain of death. Jonesy will text Matt on the the reel later and say, seriously, can you? 1 a.m. How did the editing go? Did you edit it out? Please. Dot 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 question mark. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Josie. I really didn't mean it. Um, but I mean, I love. I really love. Uh, I love the art in this issue. Oh, for one, yeah. it was different. Yeah, Anka, Chris Anka, Chris Anka. Guys, it's a delight. Um, really loved it. It's, it's nice and clean. But uh, I on catching up on previous Uncanny. It's always good to read some Bachelo and Chunks as well. And, uh, I mean, I, it was a really good tie-in, considering I, I I don't quite see what it has to do with Original Sin yet, not unlike, say, uh, Spider-Man or Daredevil tie-ins, but... Hmm. Yeah, I like, I love his art. He did, um, he's been doing, I think, X-Factor covers, and I think he designed their costumes. He's like their go-to designer. He designed the uh, oh, X-Force okay. costumes when uh, Sugar Sam Humphreys took over. That... Okay, that makes complete sense because I loved when they rolled out the X Factor, the cover design, and everything. Is yeah, a, I really loved what they did. I didn't like the interior of he, the book. He also all, did um, that Colbert as Falcon drawing when Quesada was on Colbert that was floating around for a little bit. Man, so this guy, so he's, he's an up and comer. He's like one of those young guns. Quote, young guns. Oh yeah, they'll, they'll get him up at the summit, Marvel summits. Oh and, yeah, uh, you know it. So the uh, one of those, they I don't even think they still have revealed. I think the thing is like who gets the estate. They all assume Scott gets it. So I, I'm going to spoil the next issue for you. But no, go ahead. They they talk about something that maybe was like a spoiler, but it's not because if you've been reading all new X Men, you find out that that Wolverine Mystique character is Charles Xavier. Oh, I'm sorry. The young Charles Xavier kid is the child of Mystique and Professor X. What? Yeah. Wow. So they really was... are brothers, Ray's and him. Uh, well, yeah, I think so. Wow. They're like half brothers or whatever. Yeah. So that was like two months ago. So then in this issue, the 24, they announced that uh, Mystique and Professor X were married. Um, and nobody knew about it. Wow. So maybe that's like the X-Men finding out what we found out a couple months ago. Oh, well, wow. Yeah. So now the, they're, they think that maybe they left the estate to Mystique, but I don't even think they still announced it yet. It's still kind of like to be continued. Mm, not dragging, really it's, dragging it out, huh? Yeah, it's still good, though. I still, I, I like this more so than the other stuff. It just felt like it got into a rut of S.H.I.E.L.D. checking up on us, X-Men checking up on us, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, I, and it was a really cool concept, but it really felt like that was just the entire 22-issue run. Of the rebooted Uncanny. Yeah, like... That's what it really felt like. Cliffhanger, Maria Hill is outside and they want to talk. Like, I feel like they've done yeah. that like five times. Yeah. Guess what? Maria Hill trolls the X-Men by saying, you don't do normal every issue. <laughs> it's like, drink every time somebody says the X-Men doesn't do normal. It's like, we get it, okay? Can we just leave the X-Men alone? This is what Scom- Summers has been talking about. Are you wearing uh, a Cyclops right shirt right now? Is that what's he's happening? He's a war hero. Oh my gosh. It was. It was. Uh, speaking of the little random little tie-in, I've been reading um, the new Ghost Rider, and in L.A. there was in the last issue, not the issue that just came out on Wednesday, because I didn't see that one. Um, there was like street graffiti saying like Cyclops is right, like randomly in one of the panels. It was cool. Hmm. World world building. I um, want to talk about Scott Snyder right now, if I may. Be so bold. Oh, we're, Jonesy's, we're all big fans. Jonesy's boy. The maestro, if The you first will. maestro. I think Jonesy's given that nickname to about three writers and artists in that time span. <laughs> but uh, he went back to The Wake because the final issue had come out and everybody was 
jaying all over the place about it, how great it was. Mm-hmm. So I stopped after that book one. I think it was issue five. There was that long Snyder monologue that kind of made me want to take a break. But I came back. So book two, or if you've never read it, there's like these this army of mermen were discovered underwater. And they're, they effed up pretty much the entire planet at the end of book one. And not even just mermen, but there's like giant mermen. Yeah, that was like the end of book one, right? The huge reveal of the thousand foot merman or yeah. something. And the, the that book ended with the mom calling her son to like get the heck out of Dodge because what they tried to do didn't work and they were creating like these giant whirlpools in all the oceans. So then fast forward, I think like two hundred years, and that's when book two starts. Oh. So the wor- like I think water has gotten, you know, 200 miles inland so a lot of the bay area is gone and everywhere and the there's like it's it's a totally new world there's a totally different character this female character who sells uh, merman heads for profit illegally um she gets like this piece of equipment that's kind of like a radio so she listens to it at night and at the end of the first issue she hears a transmission from the doctor from book one. So I don't know. Uh, that was the cliffhanger. I think her name, Lee Archwood. And so this chick hears that transmission and then it's captured. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it's possible unless it's like an old transmission, like in lost and she just hears it on a loop or what, but that that's how the first issue of book two ends. It was pretty cool. I mean, I love the art. It's um Murphy on art and the colors are dynamite in this book too. Yeah, I completely agree with what you said. I I really liked the art in the first book. Really liked it. Yeah, he's doing a book with Rebendo. Tokyo Ghost, coming from Image. Do you hear about I that? I got. I think I got that on my uh, pool list. I looked through a previews catalog a little while ago. Wow. Threw that on my list oh my preemptively so the Tai Tai could. Uh, Thank you. Show sponsor of the comic book shop in Delaware. Yeah. Look them up. Right now, Jonesy loves beer. You've been beaten down this episode. Your work has been mentioned two or three times. That Sorry, have been, by the time Sorry. people listen to this, will we'll have been edited out. Maybe I'll just maybe I'll Thank just God. loop in me saying McDonald's in a robotic voice over what Dale said. I, w- I would be that would be acceptable. <laughs> what did you read this week while in NASCAR country? Well, I read The Punisher Ooh. issue eight. You guys caught up? I'm not caught up no. yet, but you you know feel free to talk about it. Such a great book, though. Uh, this is this is the end of a two part story, which uh, guys I love already that it's only two parts. Uh, you remember at the end of the big arc after uh, Punisher fights Electro and kind of makes his grand escape that he gets captured. Well, this issue is about him uh, in the prison stocks, kind of meeting up with a special forces guy who's also been captured there. You know, he kind of. Um, let himself get caught so his unit could get away. And uh, Frank is a little bit of a, I don't want to say not forthcoming. He doesn't want to tell the guy he's the Punisher because he knows what kind of reputation he's got. So he just introduces himself as Frank and ex-Marine Special Forces. Mm. So they kind of uh, buddy up uh, in a cool Punisher uh, MacGyver moment. Punisher's like, rip open my left boot. And there's a there's like a bunch of like uh, skeleton keys and picklocks in it, and he's like, uh, I got a shop at your store with some like awesome '90s action movie line, and uh, so they break out of the camp together, a special forces guy and the Punisher, and as they escape through the jungle, uh, Frank takes a bullet for the guy, and then he he sees that the Punisher's got like this skull, um like body tactical suit that he wow. wears underneath. And he's like, what are you doing in a Punisher outfit? And like still doesn't get it. So finally at the edge of the forest, Crossbones uh, has been stalking the Punisher because he's the guy who bought uh, Frank from the highest bidder. He's going to buy the Punisher and, and take him in and like torture him and, and stuff like that. So Crossbones is on their heels. Uh, Crossbones is also like a super soldier. Uh, corners them both and says all right you know i'm gonna kill you both and uh frank's like no look this guy is just here he's he's independent 
He's with a military group. I'll go with you if you let him go back to his unit. And Crossbones, ever the soldier, is like, get out of here, kid. And takes Punisher. And the last two pages, beautiful, are the guy like, I'll never know who that Frank guy is, but I'll always remember that he sacrificed himself so that I could make it back. And there's this beautiful scene of him like writing a letter on the like uh, inside like a military helicopter, like where he's got the one foot on the uh, landing pontoon or whatever it's called, and just a great send off to where we're gonna go next. The Punisher. It's like a one year later coda. Great stuff. Mm. Punisher, you got to catch up. Awesome book. I think I might have read that issue. I didn't know what number you're talking about, but it was a different. It wasn't um. And I can't remember who the artist is. Gerard's? Is it Mitch Gerard's? But he didn't do, I think, these two or yeah, three the issues. the art on this was Carmen Carnero. Yeah, I guess it was like his break, because I think that was a double shipping book. So I guess maybe he needed to take a breather or catch up. So they had a different artist. God, what a show it's we're tough. having right now. Can I be honest with you? What a show. It's electric. I mean, Can you feel the electricity right now? It's... Or is that Jonesy having a stroke? It's happening. <laughs> Well, it does look like there's streaks of lightning across my face. What did you use to play that right now? Did you go to YouTube? Be honest with me. Amazon <laughs> Music that just had that moment that you just jumped into? <laughs> look. You don't reveal your secrets? secrets. I mean, that would just be sacrilege. We we have to get into the most popular segment in show history, which is the lightning round. Two sentences or less. Another book we read. We need to get into the book club. People have been asking for it for what feels like weeks, this book club. Dale underscore A, lightning round. The 100th anniversary special of The Avengers, number one. Pick it on my books. A futuristic Avengers story with Rogue, Doctor Strange, and somebody else as The Avengers. Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill. James Stokoe illustrating and writing some of the most elaborate set pieces I've ever seen. And it's done by James Stokoe. Boom. Stokoe mania is running wild. <laughs> on paper keg. Sheltered. Number six. From Image Comics. The Lord of the Flies... Scenario continues with a delicious backstory issue on new characters that could save the day. Spider-Man 2099, issue one. Old Miggy O'Hara is stuck in modern-day New York. How can he find his way home? With just his holographic compatriot. Excellent jumping on point if you've never read the first series. Hmm. Hmm. Lightning. Hmm. Brad Meltzer Identity Crisis. Rags Morales. The series that rocked a generation of DC Comics fans flat out this was the big one this could be like their civil war I think in terms of uh, bringing readers back in don't you think? anybody? yeah I mean uh, the way I picture it is every DC Comics fan looking like the elongated man's face <laughs> as he clutches Clutches his spoiler beep 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 spoilers till the synopsis, or even I mean, at or even at the funeral 
where he's like holding oh, up yeah. his own chin. That's I mean, a DC Comics fan holding this trade paperback in their hand. Just put a different color hair on that face, and that's every <laughs> DC Comics fan. <laughs> uh, so this it, is. It, it does get name dropped a lot. Like, oh, if you you want to read some comics from DC, or you want to read some comics in general, some powerful comics, Identity Crisis. I got the Absolute Edition over there. I'm not gonna lie. Don't lie to me. Got it on sale at the comic book shop in Wilmington, Delaware. I think I had this in this this trade paperback. I had in my trunk when I had a car <laughs> two years ago. I just had it in there. I didn't even know I owned it. Yeah, you did. So I must have been sharing it with people. Jonesy loves beer. Seven issue story. Rags. Brad together. Brags. What? What is this? We book, were shipping please? it. Why is it so huge? <sighs> All right. <laughs> This is a this is a big moment uh, for me where I try to pass off I'll mess it up the uh, anti woman sentiment in this volume to Dale A because it mirrors much of his own opinions about uh, the gentler sex. Uh, Brad Meltzer weaves a true pot boiler of a story. True uh, in every essence of the word. Uh, there is a horrible murder of the elongated man's. Wife, Sue Dibney, beloved, beloved by the entire Justice League is Sue, the wonderful, caring wife of this B-list character. And the culprit is suspected to be one Dr. Light, a throwaway idiot villain of the Teen Titans. How did he become an idiot, you ask? Let's peel back the dark secrets of Green Arrow and Hawkman's JSA. Uh, if uh, Let me pause one moment. If you're going to play the paper keg drinking game, I urge you please to stop now. Please do not put your life in jeopardy for the amount of times we're going to be referring to some old favorites. Uh, so back to the uh, synopsis. Drink. <laughs> Dr. Light beamed himself aboard. The uh, watchtower, uh, you know, the team is off fighting some such horror. And it's just Dr. Light and Sue Dibney sometime in the past. And Dr. Light's like, well, it's just you and me. And has his way with her. In one of the most jarring panels I've ever seen in my life, his white, disgusting Dr. Light glove just grasps the claw of Sue Dibney as she tries to get away, and I still can't get it cleared from my mind. Terrible. So the JSA, you know, Hawkman is like, uh, well, Zantana, just use your magic to sol- surgically alter his brain because that's a thing that we do now. <laughs> You're jumping I- over a lot of subtext <laughs> in that scene. <laughs> Look, so anyway, Zantana... Speaks some words backwards. Is Carlos, it, is it Carlos Zantana? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, n- now the guy is lobotomized. The dark secrets of the JSA are revealed to us. So, of course, elongated man uh, wants to... Elongated man's like, Dr. Light killed Sue because of this whole S we did to him. Uh, pot boiling over the pot right now. So they arrange to get Dr. Light only to find out through an autopsy from somebody called the Midnight Man, Midnight, uh, Captain Midnight. Do- that, is it Dr. Midnight? Sorry, Dr. Midnight. It was in Dr. Zatara. <laughs> Santana Carlos probably Midnight. knows him. <laughs> Guys, you are, you are just jaying all over my synopsis right now, if you could just back it down a little bit. so That's probably how Brad Metzler feels about <laughs> his synopsis. <laughs> And listen, this I'm paying homage to one of the better DC books on the planet. So then we come to find out that she couldn't have possibly died the way Dr. Light could have killed her. And as soon as they're trying to find out why this is, other people start getting attacked. Uh, Ray Palmer is the Adam. His wife gets attacked. She uh, survives, you know, just barely. And uh, also we have uh, Tim Drake's father, Jack Drake, here, you know, attacked by the boomerang. 
he doesn't make it, guys. Mm. And, uh, you know, Boomerang is kind of set up to take the fall for the murders. And then flashback to uh, Dr. Midnight, who's like, uh-uh, puppy, I know who did it. And one of the most damning endings to Women Everywhere, it's revealed that Ray Palmer's crazy ex-wife arranged to kill everyone so they could be in love again. A true identity crisis. <clears throat> Apologies to everyone involved with Identity Crisis, DC Comics, for what just happened. What a synopsis. What a book. I mean, if, you, if you've read the book, you basically get the gist of what Jonesy's saying. And, and if you didn't read the book, read it. And then you'll understand what Jonesy... Well, we'll, we'll, go, th- said we'll go through it still. Yeah. This was the second time I'd read it. So I kind of um, blew through like the B story from the villains. Because I knew that like all that stuff was just like ancillary junk. Like I didn't Red need to herring. give a crap about Deadshot or any of the Suicide Squad or... Or what Merlin had to do with anything. Yeah, or the guy with the kooky hair that was also a, uh, an archer. I don't know who that was. Merlin. Was, oh, that was his name? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the book starts out, Sue is Sue is elongated man's wife, and she's apparently in, in like, friends with the Justice League. That was one kind of thing. Beloved. I, I still don't even get, like, how do you just let a human being into the Justice League gallivant around, run around the tower? How how do you not have bodyguards in that person at all times? First of all, you dummies. And they're like a public. It's like Sue Storm, you know. But Sue Sue Storm's a superhero. You don't have to worry about her. She's the wife of Mister Fantastic, but she can hold her own. You don't just yeah. parade around Sue Dib- Dibney and not expect something terrible to happen to her. So they're on patrol, and his wife gets murdered while they're off doing some other thing. Elongated man, but man. The, nov- the novelist in Brad uh, Meltzer comes out in this book like amazingly well. Certainly. Oh yeah, absolutely. this reads like a novel. The kind of inner monologues, the narration, fantastic. And even the reason why Elongated Man and Sue are in love and how they became in love, fantastic. Like you really do feel for Sue's death, even though this, this is likely the first time you've ever read anything about him. Like it's heartbreaking stuff. And within the first issue, the first couple pages, it's amazing how th- he just sets the stage and he's and it's written it so wonderfully that, I mean, no wonder you're, you're, you're rooting for them. And you, you, didn't, you, you didn't know about who Elongated Man was before you started reading Identity Crisis. Right. You're like, who's this plastic man knockoff kind of thing? <laughs> exactly that, uh, right. That line where he says, you know, there's a reason why stores sell more than just chocolate and vanilla. Oh, that was beautiful. Where he equates it to, you know, she only had eyes for him because that's all she could love. Oh. Oh. Or what was, and I think I made a screenshot. He, he had that, that great allegory, like sometimes people come in and get pecan pie or whatever flavor. It's like sometimes people want that flavor and not the the popular ones. I thought that was a great, like he, any other world, he wouldn't get anybody but Sue picked him. But, so she gets burned alive, dead, and then he, he gets there. <laughs> he gets there. She, yeah, she gets burned dead. Sorry. So then the, the investigation, the heroes come running. This is one of their own murdered. You know, how dare they? This isn't right. Let's conduct our own investigation. So they rattle cages throughout this whole series trying to figure out who did it. And uh, Let me interject. I did love the part of the investigation where Green Arrow is, is painted to be the closest to Sue. So he is under the assumption that he'd be getting the first call to come check it out. And when he gets to the door, there's already a note from Batman saying, don't touch anything. <laughs> and also, how amazing is the note that's left for Green Hour? Has the Batman insignia at the bottom. <laughs> Instead like, of a signature. Does, does he just have like a yellow and black crayon <laughs> that he just like draws on pieces of paper to let people know he did it? No, I don't that's, understand that's that. the stationary book that's in the Batmobile that has that already <laughs> drawn on it. I just like picture when, him getting out and then tearing off a page really yeah. flamboyantly and getting out. When Tim Drake has, uh, you know, been bad in practice, he's to sit there and draw that on every part of that notebook. <laughs> right. 
He, it's it's an ultra gaudy one that he got from Five Below that suction cups to the dash. <laughs> and it's got a it's got a pencil, a notepad, and a phone phone holder. Oh my god! He I mean he could have just wrote dash B and Green Hour would have gotten it. That's <laughs> right. all. That's it. So the the investigation is on. And I gotta tell you, you guys are already making me hating this book more. <laughs> Sorry, we might get into like Scott Snyder Batman territory where I eviscerate it, but I ended up saying I was entertained by it. So therefore, yeah. you know, it's all that matters. So the investigation is on, but something. So uh, the JSA team members, the old school like Green Arrow, Hawk Man, um, and I think Zatanna, not Zatara. She, they, they, something happened in the past that leads them to believe that Dr. Light is responsible because apparently Dr. Light and Sue have a history that no one else knows about. And that history is that a long time ago, Dr. Light zapped up to the JLA tower and Sue was all alone and he, quote, had her, had his way with her in, as Jonesy said, that page is just, just makes me very uncomfortable. (laughs) I mean, in the, in the understatement of the year. So they think that he is responsible. And then they reveal that there's, they don't think he could be responsible because after they found Dr. Light and captured him after they caught him in the act, they made this decision to wipe his memory of the event. And they were just so agitated because he was like threatening in kind of a scary ways. Like, you know, I know where Sue, I can just look up Sue's address in the phone book. Once I gets out, I'm just going to do this again, which is like really frightening. And, and made me wonder, like, why Why is Sue just running around with the JLA? She's just a regular person. It's not safe. So they decide to wipe his memory and uh, essentially lobotomize him. And that's the big dark secret. And furthermore, that was only the first time they had done it. Green Arrow alludes that the whole Teen Titans uh, rogues gallery is just lobotomized JSA villains. And they just exercise whatever's bad about them, make them blithering idiots and send them on their way. And they, they kind of also show flashbacks to like, I guess real justice league stories where the villains swapped bodies with the heroes and took their masks off. And then they went and did it to the villains there and wiped their memories of those events, which mm-hmm. I guess maybe were real comic book stories, but I've, I've never seen them. And then to further, what's revealed later in the series is that Batman walked in on them as they were about to wipe Dr. Light's memory and he freaked the F out. And then they wiped his memory of the event, which is leads <laughs> into the ending with being pretty badass of the book. And it, this is also a big setup point and kind of a tightly contained story because Batman was mind wiped. He eventually discovers the memory gap and that kind of, makes him go extra super ignorant crazy and didn't he make, make Mac and all yeah, that stuff yeah brother i like batman's like okay he doesn't trust anybody and i think that no. sets up like the next two years of dc comic storylines but he doesn't find out in this book but they do a great way of alluding to him maybe knowing he's just in the shadows like staring at flash it's like you have something you want to tell me flash <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, like even me i'm like frightened to even look at batman <laughs> at the end of this book like oh my god batman please stop like how at every watchtower meeting he doesn't even have a chair he just stands in the shadows <laughs> like the one quarter space. of the watchtower that is a shadow yeah. he's in there and all you can see is his beady white eyes looking at you but what's what's the the underpinnings of the story i really enjoyed was they the jsa made these decisions like kind of at um almost anger to the big guns, Superman and Batman just leaving whenever they yeah. could because they had bigger things to worry about than just little ju- Justice League pot like uh, problems. Like Superman would leave and go to Metropolis and Batman would get a call from Jim Gordon and he would just leave during these things. Yeah, and it really kind of, I mean, it's something not oft talked about, so Meltzer kind of brought it up and talked about it, but, you know... They're not the big guns aren't there to to clean up any messes. They they take take care of business and then they just leave. So it kind of gets into the uh, you know gets into the weeds of like these JSA and the smaller time team members. You know they have to do something with these people after Clark leaves and goes back home or goes fights a you know a, an alien threat or apocalypse. You spell with a K. You know it could be anything, mm-hmm. and like. 
boiled down to it, like real big props. I mean, just to tackle the subject matter alone, because it's probably like it's it's probably just better left untouched because then you get into stuff like this where people will just criticize any way you try to do it. But I mean, it's really like crazy to think about. Like somebody outs themselves, Ralph Dibney is the elongated man. You'd look him up at the phone book. You go to, you know, whatever website nowadays that has those that crap on it. Yeah, yeah. And, how do you how do you not just have bot security on your family members at all times? Yeah, well, they I, have the they had the super duper alarm that has right. like Kryptonian, Thanagarian, Apocalyptian, Thanagarian, Adam, Ian, Magicy, and stuff. What's that? It's it's they they discover that the alarm never went off, the super duper security system oh, because I the see. person. I uh, see maybe teleported in oh that's right and then like the reread um it i mean rereading them like no one tripped the alarms not even a um a piece of the carpet was moved i I, like i in my head like i the second time i was like of course it was someone that shrunk down to size and did it in you know in some kind of Mm -hmm. fashion that way like you idiots how did you not even think of that before how did batman not think of that yeah absolutely right how did he not just kind of deduce this early on and some schlub doctor maybe he's a character i have no idea but he figured out like a week later yeah dr dr midnight it's yeah it's it's looking back i mean i i read it probably when i was just getting back into comics again maybe six years ago or so but I had, I mean, it was cool because I had forgotten a lot of it back because I didn't know a whole lot about the DCU back then. And, you know, I kind of must have just glazed over it. I remember the Sue Dibney part. But it, by the end of issue five or six, like, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, my God, it was Ray. You know, it was Adam the whole time. And then, like, it got me again, even though I had read it once. But it, it was, I mean, you could look at the glaring mistakes yeah but you know i don't know i think it was uh but like you said we were it's being just uh, uh, scrutinized but it's pretty crazy entertaining book oh yeah absolutely and i you know it was entertaining rags morales did his usual stuff on there he did for anyone that maybe didn't read this but read action comics from the new 52 that was that artist and Mm. there was a lot of great just character moments in this book and then, I don't know what it is, but when I read it this time around, I just felt weird the Ralph's wife, or I'm sorry, uh, Ray Palmer's ex-wife, was revealed to be the killer because she eventually, apparently became a psychopath at some point. And yeah, she, thought, yeah she thought that bringing danger to Sue would cause all the male members of the league and the heroes to pay more attention to their wives. And but it, somewhere it was, DC women kicking ass is having a S fit. But I mean to be I guess to be devil's advocate a little sure. bit. It wasn't just the male members and their wives, it was families because not to mention Oh yeah, you right. She got Tim Drake's dad killed. Yeah. Awful awful stuff and awful that rags morales spoils that on the front cover of that issue like like it's a that wasn't even rags that was your boy um oh michael turner michael turner yeah it's it's a shame that like it could be spoilery it couldn't be like overblown like what could happen in this shoot no is this tim drake coddling his dead father speaking of which five stars that page or pages when uh, Tim leaves his dad, but then they get the call from Oracle oh, that he man. needs to turn around and his dad is in danger and they can't get there in time. And Batman and Robin Batman to do are in the car just hearing the dad tell them what's <laughs> happening. And there's one page where Batman turns to Tim, you know, realizing that they're not going to get there in time and his eyes just like bug out. Uh-huh. Perfect. Mm. Absolutely perfect yeah. page where they realize there's nothing they can do. The, t- the timing is absolutely crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. the, my heart was racing. My like, I was in the kitchen uh, this afternoon and I was reading it while trying to eat, and I was just like, I couldn't. And my heart was pounding. It was awful. I knew. I mean, it's just bad news. You got to think through Tim Drake's head. I called off duty 
much like Dale, the night before and didn't go on patrol, and I chose this night to go on patrol, mm-hmm. if I had maybe made a different decision, my dad would be alive right now. And and his dad is being patched through through by Oracle, the polite operator. I mean, it, it, Oracle, mm-hmm. what are you doing, Oracle? Like, I tried calling Wally, but no pick up. Thank God, Batman, you just turned on your signal. Aren't thing. there eight other flashes know, though? Like, call, Isn't there like a the flash Jake, that wears yeah. a pot, like a like a colander on his head, and there's some kind of yellow Mark, flash? Mark Frankton's rolling over in his grave. Who, who in the DCU has teleportation power that is not an Oracle's Rolodex at that point? Yeah. Where uh, is that person? Give them the yeah. address. Tell them to just to zap twenty feet above the roof so they don't phase into a wall, and then you're good. <laughs> Game like, over. How inconvenient! Like Oracle's in the Bat Family books, except when. She needs somebody else any other time in the world other than this time. She couldn't I mean, call, Superman she couldn't, couldn't get call, there? She couldn't call Martha Kent if Clark <laughs> was there. She couldn't call anybody she needed to by hijacking some Mar- line. Martha could have gotten on the bus and gotten there and caused some kind of diversion. Pull the fire alarm. Everyone out of that building. The um, What was really just gr- another great character moment is when Ray Palmer realizes that his ex-wife was the culprit the whole time because she references a note that nobody else saw at the crime scene and his and that's when you yeah that's amazing because that's when you find out it's not ray yeah it's the ex yeah that would talk about a cliffhanger he has a line where i thought i think i thought it was goofy the first time where like he says like his heart sinks down to his testicles where at first just sounds like such a weird comment but man that is like the purest sense of the word you find out your ex-wife who you're getting canoodly with again mm-hmm. is a crazy person and she killed several people just to get you back into bed with her and caring about her and then man that guy like how do you not I, he, so eventually he just shrinks down into like literally an atom because he feels so small after this he he drops her off essentially or just visits at arkham and then he just walks oh, away and then shrinks down. Like, what else and could you do? cries against that blade of, gla- uh, that, uh, blade of grass. Oh. Uh, and, what and what he, else could you do as, as Ray Palmer yeah. at that point? That's amazing. And he even says, like, I've never felt so small or something. Like, you partially feel responsible somehow that your ex is the reason for all this. I mean, yeah. you, you've you got to feel like total crap. They, how could you even show your face to anyone in the league at that point? And he, and then mm-hmm. he doesn't in this book. You, you don't see him as far as I can remember, interacting with anybody after that. He's just by himself. They don't even really show the arrest. They kind of, once his realization of what happens, she's in Arkham. And then there was another <laughs> moment where it also made me uncomfortable, but they're reading the like the epilogue, they're reading the paper, and they talk about how she she's was getting tortured, tortured in yeah. Arkham. Oh, yeah. Like, how does oh, that happen? God. Like, ugh, I don't want to read that. It's terrible. Yeah, the authorities wouldn't like take her out of gen pop. I mean, for the love of God. So what paper is making that the headline on page one? It was the Inquirer. The Gotham Gazette. It was the National Inquirer, though. God. Goodness me. uh, Another good character moment was when you've, uh, when Ray's ex-wife adds in the fact that in case she couldn't get the job done, she shrunk some other weapons just in case. And turns out (laughs) the one weapon she shrunk was a flamethrower so she could burn yeah that Burn one sue dibney's body not a, a handgun she she couldn't shrink a handgun yeah that one like totally was the red flag in her story she she at first said she just wanted to go scare her and then <laughs> if, something, if something went wrong i brought this flamethrower along <laughs> yeah. like what is gonna go wrong that a flamethrower is gonna solve that for a you? housewife is gonna be able to, to right. come at you i just that you to need a flamethrower i just wanted to scare and light half the house on fire <laughs> with this flamethrower Oh, man. She was a crazy person. I mean, I wonder what happened. That's just crazy. Like, he lives, he's married with her. He knows her for years, decades, presumably. And then they get a divorce. And then she just turns into a psychopath. That's just crazy stuff. Yeah, it's like Alicia Silverstone and uh, The Crush. Oh, man. What a movie. Digging through the trash for Carrie Elwes's <laughs> semen. El- <laughs> <laughs> Elwes. Whatever his name was. L-O-S. So, Jonesy, what did you think on a scale of 1 to 10 Jonesy Loves Beers? 
Uh, oh, this is a solid eight. Yeah? This is a popcorn book. Uh, a murder <laughs> mystery. <laughs> you know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the heaviest, heavy, mm. like some heavy ass reading, popcorn Josie book. reading the watchtower scene with the burning <laughs> hands is throwing popcorn right. into his mouth. <laughs> Laughing, well, cackling like De Niro. Maybe, maybe put the popcorn in and then take it out after issue, <laughs> issue three. <laughs> just another another great pull quote for Josie. <laughs> Identity crisis. A great popcorn book. Eight out of ten. What a great Eight popcorn book. Eight out of ten. Book. Put that Let in the absolute edition. Uh, every scene with Batman was great. Oh yeah. What a great what a great book. It's cool how they set up that Batman new. Like it, you know, it took him just as long as Doctor Midnight to figure out. But he's like, no, Ray Ray Palmer. No, it wasn't yeah. Ray Palmer. Like he I, knew all along. It was cool. I like how every so many years there's always kind of like a Batman reset to bring the character back to basics. And this was one of them where like he doesn't trust anybody. He can't rely on anybody and he's on his own. And that this is what this story was. I do uh, also like that scene where Green Arrow uh, pretty much figures out Deathstroke's next moves because how would Bruce fight this fight? Oh, he would disable everybody first and Mm -hmm. then kill them one by one. Mm. That was a neat line. The stuff, I mean, Green Arrow narrating the entire thing, for the most part, was pretty great because he he was a decision maker in wiping the minds and stuff. And when you get down to it, that's what the book is about, like superheroes protecting their identities and their loved ones by legitimately like doing bad or morally on the ethical scale things. And his justification, like, and, you know, he's, like, totally let down Wally because Barry knew about it. And it, it, it's crazy stuff. But Ollie's got to be that bad guy. And, I mean, it gets into that hazy territory, and Ollie has to stand his ground. Like, you know, when you think about something like that in the real world, obviously, because it's real, but it's, like, it makes you question that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's why nobody ever gets into it. Yeah. Thank God. There you have it. We did it. We made it through. Popcorn book of the year. Yeah. Carlos Zantana. Get uh, get uh. <laughs> Yeah. I told you, the guitar playing is magic. <laughs> we got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's going to read them to you. Rest in peace, Mark Farrington, former host of the show, now deceased. Letters at paperkeg.com. You shoot us a letter. We might read it on that. All right, we uh, got one this week from our friend Ren Mike D on the Twitter. He is the host of the Skyrim Attic podcast, one of my favorite podcasts out there. If you're a Skyrim addict like me, check it out. Hello, gents. Just wanted to mention I checked out Storm Number One and really got into it. It was the first superhero story I've picked up since Hush, and it keeps the quality I'm staying. And if it wow. keeps the quality, wow. I'm staying with it. Please wow. wash out Dale's mouth for his massive Jonesy work spoiler. <laughs> R.I.P. Me from Mike. Set my sent for my Firebird with T tops while rocking my red bandana. Mm-hmm. You know it. <laughs> Throw back to my heart. Friend Mike D. First superhero book since Hush. What a gap. That is a huge Hush, gap. Hush and then 10 years later Storm. Wow. He's a, he's very particular on the books he reads. I mean, he's not he's not going to f around with just any anything willy-nilly. Sounds like it. We're, we're I'm thankful we're lucky enough to have him read comics at all. I mean, he's he's I wouldn't call him a comics guy, but he dabbles and I think uh you know, he appreciates what we talk about. He knows he knows what to check out. I picked up Storm. I didn't um, come to think of it. It's not downloaded on my iPad, and I don't know why. Oh. Not downloading or not downloaded? It's not downloaded. What are you doing over there? Or maybe it is, and I just, get, you know why? It is downloaded. I just didn't get down to the to the M's. I'm, I'm, I just stopped at the M's catching up. So I still have Moon Knight and everything. Dale underscore everybody. Pad. Did you did the final issue of Ellis's Moon Knight come out? Mine did. I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I yeah. I don't know though. 
It's either five or six he stopped at, right? Yeah. What a show. Gosh, one of our best. What a show. Stay tuned for the other book he's got coming out. Lunar Squire. <laughs> on the same team. Uh, next week, what a show we have planned. Mm, boy. Stay tuned. What a what show. A big show. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? You got some free time. You're at work. You go to the work bathroom. Or if you're like Dale, you're not at work. Take a big number two. You know, write us a review on the iTunes. Yeah? If you're into that sort of thing. If you're on Android, I don't know what Android users do. They just throw their phone in the garbage. Helps uh, helps people get exposure to the show. New listeners. We'll see everybody next week. This is like the early bird special. I might be able to weasel in some Titanfall tonight after editing this. Oh, man. Oh, I'm going to go uh, watch a Longmire. Oh, man. Caught up yet? Uh, my wife and I just finished episode seven. Oh, man. So we have, I think, two more to go in this season and then season two. I have no idea what Walt was doing down south. Oh, really? With that forty-five in his pocket. We, I also have pieced together that Henry Standing Bear was there with him. For what mm-hmm. reason, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And is he ever going to find out about Branch and Katie? Mm, man. Even Boy. after she tried to end it, and he was like, no. You were in for just a, <sighs> just a dynamite treat. My Wild whirlwind. ride. Whirlwind. Tell you what, there is no better drama that I've watched on television that has held up the quality of Longmire. Mm. Hands down. So I'm just so sorry. My wife has taken a Longmire. It's something we do as a couple now. And to hear your situation today on the Twitter, <laughs> boy, my heart goes out to you. The one thing requested for the show. She, I don't, I she's don't not listening. Quote myself, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> that was before the show. That was a direct quote to Jonesy. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't think you tagged me in on it. So, <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You were rebooting your computer for 30 minutes before the show. <laughs> Uh, you know, sometimes I have to. Maybe I should just get a new one. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, that's a good response. I gotta get a new one. <laughs> How old is that laptop? Two years old? Uh, it's, I think it's a 2010, 10, 11. I don't 2010, know. 10, 10. It's not uh, Retina. Mm. Yeah. So whatever the year before Retina was. Mm. Mm. 2010. I don't. Big know. shows coming up. Big shows. Oh, yeah. you looking at you? Are you looking at the dock right now? Because um, they're coming. My gosh! My gosh! I want to. I want to. I feel like I want to tease some of these, but you know, we have how many episodes planned out right now? Quite a few. Hey, next eighteen. Eighteen shows. Eighteen shows. You know, a podcast oh, has yeah. the next eighteen shows plotted out. The answer no. is no. So don't even think about it. Nah, son. Oh man. You know, it's almost time for Baltimore Comic Con. Cannot wait. Guys, I am so excited for Baltimore Who Comic-Con. is going to be the one that needs to be carried to the hotel room night one on oh, some man. kind of gurney scenario? 40 minutes of vomiting, I expect. <laughs> to, be, to be fall down drunk in Baltimore would scare the S out of me. So wait until case. Wait until Jonesy gets there and just sees the amount of homeless people in that town. He thinks Philadelphia Center City is... Like, you know. I mean, I'm not going to say that I've mailed ahead for my Maryland concealed weapons permit, but. (laughs) You just wanted to shoot the first, like, a police officer that comes (laughs) to the door. Hey, 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 back off. Horsham man shoots self, town grieves. (laughs) With a question mark at the end, town grieves? I mean, when we were were, uh, leaving town last year on Saturday night, 
I mean, there was like a, a marathon that day. They there had was a marathon race. that day, so there were like detours on Light Street or Pratt Street. Uh, we couldn't get out of. I mean, it was bad. It was crazy. almost impossible. It got Baltimore. crazy. We almost started just driving the wrong way down one way streets to get out we of there. Were, we were pretty close, maybe like fifteen city blocks from the hospital, <laughs> and the trauma chopper was dropping off gunshot victims. It felt like every eight minutes. Alleged. They have a. It's not even. I don't think it's a marathon. I think it's an actual like F one race. That happens in Baltimore oh, that weekend. Word. So that's why they have the streets like fenced off, mm-hmm. just in case there's like car parts that fly into your brain. I don't even care because it's going to be so great. We're gonna Baltimore. go. We're gonna go sit by the bay. You know, hang our mm-hmm. hang our little baby feet over the edge, kick him a little bit. I may have bought some new shoes this weekend <sighs> just for the occasion. Did you get them off of Zappos? Where'd you get them? He had to. We couldn't find them in the store. I Talk. went them to the. I got them at the New Balance outlets. Do you have a New Balance VIP card? Is there such a thing? Uh, there's not such a thing. If there was, I would have one because they're the only ones that sell eight and a half wides. Spoilers. Okay? <laughs> you, you, what, you, you did all that to make me bring it up again. Okay? And luckily, okay. thank God, the outlets have eight and a half wides. Them and Rockport are my new... They're my new go-tos. You probably, uh, when you scan the barcode, the computer jumped out because it wasn't used to scanning something that old. It's just like, what is this? You you have little cartoon feet? You have little <laughs> tiny... I'm sorry. I'm going to have to write out a physical receipt. We Our computer can't print the size you need. Oh, those those baby feet. What a show. We'll have to, we'll have to see about a, a setting up some sort of paper keg running club at the Inner Harbor. Yeah, that's right. Maybe you take me out for my first street run. What I just pooped a little bit in my shorts. I just pulled. I just pulled up my boxer so high that it looks like I'm wearing a maternity pants. 